Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Asband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Yoma, daf Ayin Aleph, page 71. So I want to talk about something that happens um, towards the end of Ahmed Aleph, which is basically continuing the events of the week of the Davim Kippur, and now we reach the, the next day. The next day, the Gemara recounts a story of how, or, or present, perhaps it's a prescription of how the day after Yom Kippur, the guy who took the goat to Azazel meets up with the Kohen Gadol. So it seems to be, I don't know, I don't know if it's planned, I don't know if it's coordinated, I don't know if it's, you know, coordinated to be a happenstance kind of meeting, but it's described as if it's happenstance, and yet it seems to be a required thing. So what happens? The guy who took the goat, he comes the day after Yom Kippur, he finds the Kohen Gadol in the market, namely that's a public place. Omerlo, ishi Kohen Gadol, asinu shlichutcha, matzao Omer, oh, so if he finds him in the marketplace, then he says in this public place, he says, my master Kohen Gadol, we did your mission. We did what the mitzvah of bringing the goat to Azazel. And he says this in a, as the Kohen Gadol's mission, mission, you know, in a public display of respect. But if he finds him in his house, which is why I say, you know, it seems to be a requirement that he finds him. Where he stumbles upon him, you know, does he go straight to his house? Does he first look in the marketplace? There's no, it does not seem to be that there's a prescription for the guy how to go find the Kohen Gadol. But Mitzah Veto, if he finds him at home, Omerlo, Machaye Chayim Asinu Shlichut To. He says, to the one who, he says, the one who grants life to the living, meaning Machaye Chayim, that's God, right? We performed his mission, Asinu Shlichuto, as opposed to your mission, Kohen Gadol. So this by itself, I think, is a very interesting distinction between, you know, the public awareness of the Kohen Gadol's role in the, you know, the story of the two goats and how the Kohen Gadol sends one of the goats out into the wilderness. And so that if there's a public discussion of this, it becomes his mission. But in private, there's a recognition that this is really a mitzvah. It's from the Torah. It's from Hashem. And that is really the source of this of this mitzvah, of this mission. So then the Gemara says, and, and we've seen this, I think, a fair bit in Masachet Yoma, where there is a discussion of something that happens that is very practical in the actions of the Avodah. And, and then, excuse me, and then there seems to be like a jumping off point to go talk about other things that seem to connect in a most tangential way. So the fact is, he's just said, and, and, you know, given that phrase, So in Pompadita, Rabbi says, when the sages would take leave of each other, when they each other, you know, see you tomorrow, their phrasing would be, may the one who grants life to the living grant you a long life, a good life, an established life. Meaning, this is no longer talking about the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, or the day after, rather. It's no longer talking about the guy who took the goat to the Azazel. It's simply jumping off of the Machayei Chaim as a reference to God. And where else might we see that expression? Well, in the leave-taking of the sages of the scholars from one to another, um, in Pompadita in particular. And then we've got another case. Etalech lifnei Hashem bar So 
similar to this idea of mechaye chayim, we have a verse here from Tehillim. I will walk before God in the land of the living. This is Tehillim um, Kuf Tetzayin 116. So what's this place of the living? Rabbi Huda says that's the marketplace where you can find food and you can, you know, sustain, find everything you need to sustain yourself. So the implication is that David HaMelech, who's, you know, who's ascribed to be the author of many, many, many of the Tehillim, 73 out of 150 Mizmeri Tehillim are given in his name, is that he went from place to place He pray, and he prayed to find, you know, easy sustenance, ready sustenance. So, I will go before God in the land of the living, in the lands of the living. It seems like, let me always find food before me. And again, this is really a completely now much further removed even from the Yom Kippur story. And one more. This is from Mishlei, Proverbs chapter 3. It says, for the length of your days and the years of life and peace will they add to you. It's an interesting phrase here. The years of life. So the Gemara says, how could you have years that are not of life? Meaning by definition, all your years are going to be years of life. So then the Gemara answers, So then the years of life mean specifically good years. And then any additional years, Yosifulach, the years that are added are years that, you know, might have otherwise been bad years that have that are now transformed to good, so that it becomes an additional. It's not about living as much as much as living well, or that it should be good. Um, and then I have one more little bit that I want to talk about, and then you're done. I'm going to turn it over to you. I know we've got a new Mishnah coming up, but this the next bit is a little spicy, and I thought we should at least note it. Um, Another pasuk from Proverbs, this time chapter eight. It says, "Elechem ishim ekra to you, ishim ekra to you, men." Really, that's what it means, right? Ish ishim. Even though mostly nowadays in modern Hebrew we'd say anashim, but "Elechem ishim ekra," I will call to you, men. Ama Rebbe Brechia, elu chachamim. These this phrase refers to scholars, talmidei chachamim, and he says, "Shadomin lenashim," because they are similar. To women, on the one hand, they are similar to women, and the implication here, well, the commentary suggests perhaps they're physically weak, or perhaps they're not doing as external activities that the men might be doing. They're engaged um, in Torah study. That seems to be when they are, in fact, actively um, that's that is when they are being might, right? That they're acting mightily like like men. And he says, beyond that, we can also say that we're, if you, anybody wants to pour libations of wine on the Mizbech, on the altar, he should fill the throats of the Torah scholars with the wine. And that is, I'll call to you, these men, you men, Will I call? Um, and the phrase there of ishim, um, and this time instead of it being similar to isha and and women, 
it's it's likened to the fire isha ishim from ish to the altar's fire so that then you could say well the scholars are like the fire of the altar now this last passage which i think is a little bit spicy on the one hand i think it's also a little bit um it's a little bit garbled in its formulation it's a little bit difficult to unpack it on the other hand it's trying i feel like it's trying to say something you know bigger than its own words because the the citation from Proverbs is pretty simple. And just saying Ishim, I would not necessarily think that now we're going to have a comparison to Nashim. But it seems to be that this that this verse is they're they're trying to understand how on the one hand it seems to, you'll forgive me, knock the Talmide Chachamim, right? That there's this comparison to women or at least inference to women that is supposed to be some kind of I don't know, not it's not a compliment, put it that way. Um, and of course that's a shame and certainly we don't relate to the verse in this way and certainly the verse in Proverbs itself can be interpreted in many different ways but this is what the Gemara here says but the Gemara itself rejects this and goes on to to liken the same Ishim, the same Talmidei Chachamim um, again that's an interpretation to fire on the Mizbeach and that seems to be the preferred um, interpretation because you know that's where it leaves it some nice Agarita leading up to the uh next Mishnah, but I love that scene of the Kohen Gadel and the person who brought up the Azazel sort of meeting each other the day after Yom Kippur. And and what do you make of the fact that it's sort of like that they meet, it's not on Yom Kippur or right at the end of Yom Kippur, but it's sort of like the day after when like they've sort of had an opportunity to pause and think about what happened the day before. Don't you see them like giving each other like a pounding each other on the back, right? Like, yeah. oh, we did it. We made it. Good to exactly. see you, man. Exactly. You know? Exactly. There's something about it. It's just, it's, 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 it's lovely. And I don't know if it really happened or it's almost like what we would love to envision happen. You know, the, the two of them run into each other and exactly there's this feeling of brotherhood and accomplishment and, you know, hope of starting the new year with everybody, with atonement being given to everybody. Um, and there's, I'm, there's also, there's, I just want to say there's this, there's clearly a hierarchy, right? Meaning the guy who goes out to Azazel, still has to give deference to this Kohen Gadol. Right, absolutely. So I'm going to move on to the Mishnah. Now the Mishnah here really departs from anything that has to do with Yom Kippur and is, again, just some halachot about Kohanim and the clothing they wear. And again, we I've mentioned this many times, but it's fascinating to see how Masachat Yuma, which is the avoda of one singular day and the most complex day, um, really is the one that we use to sort of, or the, it's the Masachat of Mishnah and Gemara, uh, where, um, uh, you know, where we see uh, sort of what happened with all the doings and all the daily pieces of what happened in the Beit HaMikdash. So here it's talking about the clothing, Kohen Gadol Mishamesh B'Shmonah Kelim. So the Kohen Gadol had eight garments, Behejot Barba, or regular Kohen had four, Right, so the regular one is a tunic, trousers. Um, I guess what would you call mitznefed? Is a um, how would you say that in English, Anne? Like mm. the hat, you know, the turban. yeah, it's a right hat, the turban and a belt. Mosipa love coin guzzle. The coin guzzle has four more. Choshen beifod seats. The breastplate, the afod, the robe, and the front plate. Um, uh, Right. And the Kohen Gadol could be consulted with the Urim Batumans. Remember, that was the breastplate with the 12 precious stones in it. And there was a way that that was a way to sort of directly communicate 
with God. But only the king or the head of the court could ask of the Urim Batum, right? It wasn't like, and you and I could go and be like, oh, I want to know the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Individual, you know, it, it, it's for community needs. The individual is not allowed to ask anything. The Gemara then gets onto this very interesting discussion of what exactly uh, these were made of, the clothing. They were made of linen, which is sheish. Um, how do they understand that? How do they understand the word sheish to get that that means linen? And then also the threads of the clothing, and depending on what garment it was or what item we're talking about in the Beit HaMikdash, right, the Barochet or something like that, it was sort of a number of thread thick, right? It could be six, it could be eight, it could be 24, 28. And there's all this Midrash Halacha to sort of learn that out. Um, but I want to go to one uh, interesting uh, piece here. Um, they get to a section here, right, where it says, right, where it basically says, how do we know that the word sheish actually means uh, kitna? And one of the answers, so they give an answer of Rabbi Yosef or Rabbi Hanina. And then one of the answers they give is Ravina Amar Mehacha. Ravina says it's from here. Pare Pishtim Yu Avosham Mikhmasim Pishtim Pishtim Yu Amatneha. So we quote here a puzzle from Yechezkel from chapter 44, verse 18, where it says they shall have linen or Pishtim turbans on their heads and linen tra- trousers on their loins. So the term Pishtim in Yechezkel refers specifically to linen. So they therefore learn that Sheshen Bad which is used in the Torah for those same garments, must also mean linen because pishtim is clearly linen and it's describing the same garments, which in the Torah describes as sheish, so sheish must mean linen. Ravashi comes with an interesting question. Amar le Ravashi, ha ati yechezkel. So he says, before yechezkel came then, what was the halakha? Like if you're going to bring a proof from yechezkel, but this was something that was done already from the time of the Midbar, how could this be the proof, Right? Man Amr, what is it, you know, what's your, what's your reasoning here? Right, we could ask the same question of Rav Chista. And so we're not going to bring another thing that we learned from Yechezkel. This we did not learn from the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu. We learned this Torah, this is again a Rav Chista teaching, from Yechezkel Ben Buzi. Here the teaching is talking about that if a Kohen is uncircumcised, he doesn't have a brisk meal. He's not allowed to uh, actually work in the Beit HaMikdash. So here they quote a pasuk also from Yechezkel, the same chapter, chapter 44, verse 9. No foreigner uncircumcised of heart or uncircumcised of flesh, right? That means he doesn't have a brit milah, shall enter into my sanctuary. So again, the same question in the teaching of, Yechez, of Rav Chista. How can you teach Allah about the Kohanim that obviously had to take place from the time Kohanim existed, but the proof that you're bringing is from Yechezkel. Man Amra, what do you say? Right, so rather we say they learned it as a tradition. But Yechezkel comes, and this is where we get the term Asmachta from, right? And he supports it with a verse. So the idea is, is that there are certain halachot that we have a tradition for. It's basically like halacha l'moshem Sinai. But later on, the prophets come and they give the actual pasuk to sort of hang your hat on for it. Hachanami here also, in our case, with the, uh, with the linen. Gamar, gimre, right? It's a, it's a tradition. 
and he brings a proof for it. So sort of one of these meta comments that the Gemara brings, right, where it's basically saying we have some halachot that basically are just, you know, we know what the halacha is. We knew that Kohanim had to wear linen. We knew that Kohanim, you know, if they were uncircumcised, could not uh, participate in the avoda in the Beit HaMikdash. But it's not until later that we get the actual asmachta, that we actually get the pasuk itself. But it doesn't take away from the fact that this is a halacha l'moshe misinai. Um, and it's just interesting to see how they sort of work that out. And also, we're sort of stuck on the chronology, right? Like, you can't bring a proof from Yechezkel because we know we were giving these halachot well beforehand. So I, I always like these meta comments that we see in the Gemara. I like the fact that we do have this hint from Yechezkel, meaning I understand he's coming significantly after the time, certainly the time of the Torah and certainly the time of the, you know, initial setting up of the Beit HaMikdash and so on. But that means that there's still like in his day, there's an awareness and a knowledge of the Beit HaMikdash, like meaning, which I suppose should go without saying, but there's always something kind of pleasing when, when we have, the ancient text supporting the ancient text. Right. And and seeing them work that out, also the fact that they really wanted, you know, a proof for it um, is interesting. Like, they're not willing to just, just accept, we have this word sheish, it must mean linen. They really want to work through, it also has to be in the Torah Shabbat. And I think you're seeing here a little bit the relationship between Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat. Torah Shabbat Peck can start off with as a tradition that is Halakha Lamosha Misinai. But sometimes we want to have something that there's a hint to it, even if it occurs later on from when the Halakha was actually given in one of the Nevi'im itself. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this closing, really, to the day of Yom Kippur and the Asmachta that comes out of the Big Day Kahuna or about the Big Day Kahuna. Uh, thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 